ministry. Not that he didn't minister when he was in Nazareth, when he was in his uh, father's uh, workshop or uh, wherever he was in, in Nazareth, but when he started his public ministry, that uh, God the Father sent him to come and talk to the people of Israel at age 30, you know, that was uh, the calling of the Father. He went to uh, John the Baptist to get baptized. And not only did he get baptized with water, of course that was something that John uh, did on his behalf. He dipped him into the water. And of course John said, I don't know why you are coming here because you are the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. Why would you need to be baptized by me? And Jesus said, it is right for me to fulfill all righteousness. But Jesus was not only baptized in water that day, but he was also baptized in the Spirit of God. Okay? The Bible tells us that as he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and remained on him. So in other words, God the Father equipped his son, Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a human being just like you and me, and that's why he's called the Son of Man. But then Jesus was equipped with the power of God from above, and that's why he's called the Son of God. So we need to realize that what Jesus required is what you and I require as well. Okay? If Jesus needed to wait for that particular time when finally God the Father said, come and begin your work, and you can be sure that Jesus did not just walk to the river Jordan by just having fun, but he was walking there purposefully, knowing that his time of ministry had begun. And so Jesus came. You know, Jesus came to John. He had that experience. He was dipped into the water. And you know, baptism is a very, very important uh, exercise because it demonstrates that we are laying down our old nature, that we are actually burying the old nature, and then that we are rising to new life. So the waters of baptism are actually, uh, in reality, a grave. Okay, it's a judgment. And we must understand that this is what, uh, you know, was prophetically spoken even about the life of Jesus. So Jesus said, I must do this because... All righteousness has to be fulfilled in my life. So Jesus was actually prophesying his own death as he was going into the grave. Okay? When he finally was on the cross, then, of course, judgment came over the earth. And thank God, this judgment did not come to all of us, but this judgment was taken by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Unless we reject what Jesus has done for us, then we may still have, to, we still have to go through that judgment. But if we are accepting what Christ has done for us, then that judgment will never come to you and me because it has already been carried by the Lord Jesus Christ. And injustice, you know, it's not possible that one can be, you know, uh, uh, sentenced for the same crime, for the same crime twice. You know, so Jesus was sentenced. Okay, sin was sentenced. Jesus was the Lamb of God. 
Jesus laid down his life. Jesus died on our behalf so that we don't have to die for our sin. That's why we trust him. That's why we love him. Jesus, that is what needs to happen in your life as well. It's very unfortunate that many times we are suffering. We are not seeing the power of God established in our life as Jesus would love it to be because we are rushing into things. We are not waiting for the power of God to be manifest in our lives. And so Jesus is very clear that he wants us to hold on, wait for the promise of the Father, and receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've talked a lot about baptism in the past, but I want to say just again, you know, baptism is a word, it's a Greek word, baptizo, which means to be dipped into. So it has nothing to do with having some drops of water sprinkled to your head, as a lot of people think. Baptizo means you are actually being dipped into the water. And that's, happened, that's what happened to Jesus when he was at Jordan, because that's why uh, John the Baptist was at Jordan because there was enough water for everybody to be dipped into the water. That's why when you get baptized, we go to our swimming pool, okay, and we, we have uh, seen so many people going through this pool, not swimming just for, for fun, but for uh, a very powerful exercise of, you know, testifying I've died to the old nature. I'm going to take off that old nature, put it into the grave, and I'm rising to new life again. That is a, a testimony that we give prophetically, and God has said, this is what we should do. Now, when Jesus said, not long after this, okay, after he has spoken to them, the Father will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it means exactly that. You know, just like you go into the water, and you know, when you are at the baptism, you see that the whole body is inside the water. Just like when you, you, you bury a corpse, you're not leaving an arm coming, stretching out from the, from the grave, okay? Or, or halfway uh, buried. You know, everything is in the grave. And that's exactly what needs to happen in baptism. So when Jesus says, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, because, because that is the promise of the Father, then that's exactly what God means, that we are completely submerged in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like water, we are being dipped into the reality of the Spirit from above. And as I said, you know, uh, this was the very last lesson Jesus gave to his disciples while he was here on earth. Amazing. Now, the disciples, as always, you know, they have had their own frame of mind. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, we are always lacking. You know, we are a few steps behind him. Maybe sometimes a few, a few uh, uh, miles behind him. <laughs> okay, unfortunately. They were thinking about the work of Jesus in a very different way. They were expecting, you know, a kingdom like the kingdom of David or the kingdom of Solomon to be erected again in Israel. And of course, that was never, ever the purpose of Jesus coming. Because Jesus did not just come for the nation of Israel. Jesus came for the whole world. Jesus came for you. He came for me. Wherever people are, you know, this world has got a lot of sufferings. 
a lot of needs, a lot of problems. We are seeing war on our TV screens. You know, Jesus died for all of them, every one of them. And we must understand that Jesus doesn't only end there at dying at the cross, saying it is finished, but actually he comes back and says, you have not received everything yet. Okay, yes, salvation has come, but now for you to minister, you must be equipped with the power from on high. And you know, that is required for all of us. All of us, we are in the midst of an evil world. You may not just need it because you're a preacher or maybe because once in a while you are sharing the word of God in a home cell or whatever. No, you need the Holy Spirit for your testimony. You need the Holy Spirit because God gives you the power and the equipment that is required for you to live an, a life of an overcoming. You know, in Christ Jesus, if you are not guided into all truths by the Holy Spirit. That's very important. So Jesus uh, had to correct his disciples. Okay, they were asking that question. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel? Because, you know, there were the Romans uh, in Israel at that time. And, of course, even Jesus himself had to stand before a Roman uh, uh, ruler, that is Pontius Pilate. And uh, he eventually handed him over to the Jews to have him crucified. And so they were saying, has the time come? Are we, are we now ready for that? And Jesus had to tell them, you know, the kingdom that you are thinking about is not really what, what is on the agenda of God. And he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So in other words, Jesus will not tell us all things, okay? Jesus will not reveal every detail, every secret to us. There are certain things that we cannot know, certain things that God will not reveal. We not just need to learn to live by faith. Because if we would know everything, that faith was no longer required. You understand? So Jesus said, this is not you to worry about. Let the Father do whatever he has set up in his own divine glory. But for you, what you should be concerned about, what you should be worried about, is that you will not miss the very gift of God, the very power of God that he has, that he has prepared for you when the, finally the Holy Spirit will come upon your life. And then Jesus makes it very clear. You will be my witnesses. Okay? A witness is somebody who has seen, who has heard. Okay? You can't witness what you have not seen. Then you are not a witness. Then you are secondhand. So unless you have seen, unless you have heard, unless you are able to, to, to talk about what you have experienced in your own salvation, in your own journey, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and even receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot really be an effective witness. And you know, this is really what we need to consider in our own personal lives, that we become witnesses, okay? There's so many people who are suffering today. There's so many people who live rich, religious lives quite all right, but they have no power at all. It's not the religious, uh, you know, rules that we follow, but it's the power of God that is required in our lives. 
And this is what Jesus makes very clear. So God says, you will be my witnesses. And he says, you will be witnesses here in Judea. Now, Judea was a highly uh, religious headquarter of the Jewish faith. We all know that, isn't it? This is where Jesus suffered. This is where Jesus was persecuted by the very people who confessed that they were uh, children of Abraham. And says, you need to be witnesses. And, and, and the very same people who have nailed me to the cross, you need to tell them in the power of the Holy Spirit what God has done. Now that was not easy, as you know. And uh, of course, it didn't even take long when, when persecuted, persecution started to happen. But persecution is not an issue that we should run away from because persecution is something that Jesus said, you know, what they have done to me, they will do to you also. Okay, so don't be afraid because you have got somebody who is taking care of you, somebody who is protecting you, who is greater than the persecutors and the persecution. So we need to trust the Lord Jesus. And so this is a command to all of us, not just to a few of us, all of us who have seen, all of us who have heard, all of us who have experienced the power of God in our lives, we are called to be witnesses. Telling people about Jesus everywhere. Okay, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria. Samaria now was no longer the land of uh, the Jewish religion. I mean, they still had their own religions, but different religions, okay? And to the end of the world. And of course, you know, they had to go to Greece where there was philosophy. They had to go to Rome where, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, gods were worshipped. And Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And, and, you know, that witness of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit will make a way for itself. Always. Always. You know, within a, a short period of time, the whole Roman Empire was penetrated in a very, very powerful way by the, by the people who shared the gospel, the good news. In the beginning, many of the believers had to live their life, had to die, had to be thrown in, in the lion's dens, had to be made fun of in stadiums, you know, when, when, when the, the, the emperors wanted to have fun. But in about 300 years, they could not run away from the Christian faith anymore. And they had to acknowledge that they could not continue the Roman Empire without the God that had sent his own son into this world so that we have life and have it more abundantly. So we must understand, God wants the best for the people he has created. Okay, not just for, for the few of us who are here today, but for all people. Even the people who are still today deep in sin, deep in bondage. Jesus wants us to reach them as well. You know, we are not supposed to look down at anyone because everyone is a creature of God. You know, of course, you know, we, we like to have uh, a certain enemy pictures, you know. I mean, we look at certain pictures who, or, 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 or at certain people who we, we know they have done a lot of bad things, for sure. But even bad people can repent, okay? Even bad people can be renewed. Even bad people can be receiving the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even bad people can be uh, 
baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they no longer are bad, but are being transformed. And you know, all of us need that transformation. You can see that even in the church, we are often falling back to old habits. You know, uh, yesterday in my letter, I was writing about the disciples following the, the book of <clears throat> Mark. You can see that Jesus was speaking to the disciples and uh, they heard all the good things that Jesus was saying, but they always fell back into their own selfish individual uh, lifestyle. They always, you know, uh, were quarreling about things that were benefiting themselves and not just benefiting the kingdom of God. You know, so they were quarreling who is be the greatest. Jesus told them, I have to go and die, I have to suffer, I have to uh, be crucified, I have to uh, be buried, and I have to rise again. And they couldn't understand it. And many times we don't understand that message, you know, that the last will be the first. That the one who is the servant of all is the greatest of all. So the disciples were still arguing in the, in the ideas of the world system, who is, be the, who is going to be the greatest amongst us? But Jesus said, this is the wrong kind of thinking, okay? You need to really learn from me. And you know, this is what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay? Learn to be a servant. And that's when you will be really great. That's when God will lift you up. That's when God will make space and room for you. Not when you are running in your own uh, human strengths. Because that human strength, sooner or later, it will, it will fail you. Okay? No matter how strong we are, Sooner or later, we are running out of steam, okay? Thank God, you know, when you are in Christ, it doesn't matter how old you are. You may have the, the power of a youth, or you may be an elderly man like me <laughs> and still have the power of the Holy Spirit. Even so, you know, your muscles and your, 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 your natural power is actually diminishing. It's no longer the same like, uh, you know, when we are uh, 30, 40 years younger. But nevertheless, we are not moving in the power of the flesh. We are moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God desires. You know, God care. All these, he wants us to share his glory, his love, his power, his care. All these are things that he has paid the price for us to have. Okay? Man is called to rule in the very place that God has prepared for him. Okay, so God has brought us into this world. Once again, you know, what, what Adam failed to do, to be a ruler, to have dominion over creation, God has once again said, this is what I want you now to live in, in the power, not of your flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the desire of God. And he will not give up on that. So as we were saved by the blood of Jesus, you know, everyone who believes has been able to become a child of God. We receive the power to be children of God. So in other words, when you are a child, that means you are part of the family. Amen? And, and that is what, you know, a lot of people don't realize. You know, we have got so many different churches, but many people there... They, 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 they take the membership of the church as something very important, you know, so that when finally they die, they have a record so that they can be buried. 
But I want to tell you, that is not, that is not the reason to be belonging to a church. The reason to belong to the body of Christ is because we are part of the family. Amen? We are children of the Most High. You see, this was at the heart of God's plan from the very foundation, before the foundation of the world, that he was to extend his own family. That's why he made us in his own image and likeness. That's why he equipped us with power from on high, so that we will be just like him. We will be children of the Most High God. And that's why, you know, God is transforming us into the nature of Christ because he is the true son, okay? And God uses him as our pattern that we should become like him, that we should be walking in his own footsteps. Thank God what sin has destroyed, Jesus has come to restore. And that is true, you know, and, and, and really we, we, should, we should once again rejoice in that, okay? We, we should not be just having dry religion, but we should rejoice in what God has done for us. And, and Jesus said to his disciples very clearly, you know, uh, you, you, will, you will be my people. You will represent me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world, in Lusaka, in Zambia, in Africa. We are the people who represent Christ. Amen? And after he had said this, okay, after he had taught him that very powerful lesson, everything was said and done. Okay? So that was the last lesson that Jesus gave to us when he was in the flesh, when he was walking on earth. He was not leaving before he had not told us that very important lesson. He was not waiting for Pentecost himself because he didn't need Pentecost. He had his Pentecost when he was uh, at the River Jordan and the father baptized him with the Holy Spirit and the father said, this is my dear son in whom I'm well pleased. That's amazing. So Jesus knew how important it was. And that's why, you know, Jesus was so uh, amazingly impactful in his ministry because he was never doing things just by his own ideas, by his own strengths as a human being, but he was always waiting for the Father. Okay? He was not doing things anyhow. And he said it very clearly, not once, not twice, but many times, that the Son can do nothing of himself. Now, it doesn't mean that he could not have done something because he was a human being like you and me. He could have done things in his flesh. But he had determined not to do things in the flesh. He had determined to do the things that the Father had called him to do. And I think this is something that we must learn. Okay? It's not easy because we are, we are, we are so confident in our, own, in our own ability. Until we have failed and failed again and failed again and failed many times, then we become shaky. And sometimes... You know, uh, we may not even try again because he said, I have always failed, so I'll fail again. No, no, no. I think we need to really learn, not just to depend on our own, you know, good intuition, our own learning, our own, um, you know, uh, wisdom, but we need to depend on the wisdom of God on high. That's why God said, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. So God wants to restore the dimension of the word and the spirit. Okay? That's very important. 
You know, uh, when, when we read in the book of Acts again, uh, chapter 2 and verse 3, then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues, in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Uh, and at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Then what looked like flames, okay, or like fire, depending on what translation you are reading, you know, th th there's fire there. Now, what is the fire all about? You know, some people are using the word fire, you know. Now, fire, fire, as we all know, you know, I mean, in your early days of, of, of your childhood, probably the first time you came into contact with fire, you were hurt, okay? You know, because fire has an attraction, Okay, that's why all of us, we try to make some fire, okay? I don't know whether you tried this as well, but I tried to make fire even with stones, okay? You know, these flint stones. Because there was a time when they didn't have matches, okay? So they had to do it that way. I was not very successful, I must confess. But I tried. Okay, I, I saw some sparks, but I could never make a fire out of it, okay? But I know, you know, a few uh, occasions where I got burned. And along my, my uh, history in my life, I got burned a few times. Sometimes I got burned by the real fire that we make with matches. Sometimes I got burned by electricity, okay? A fire that is even worse. At one time I burned my whole, my whole arm, you know? Okay, but thank God God healed it. Okay, we, we, we praise God for that. So, you know, we all get, a, you know, get attracted to the power of fire. And you hear some people, they are very good in proclaiming fire, okay? But in fire, as dangerous as it is, as powerful as it is also. You know, if you can manage to uh, safeguard yourself within the fire, you know, it can be very powerful. It can be able to uh, serve you quite a lot. And that's exactly what God wants us to understand. Your fire has power. Okay, and the fire that uh, is referred to in scripture has got something to do with God's word. Okay, in Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 29, we read, is not my word like fire? Okay, is not my word like fire? Okay, so the, the, the word of God should become a fire in our soul, in our hearts. You know, a fire that that is uh, becoming visible in your eyes, you know, can be heard in your voice. That fire should be a reality to every one of us. And then Jeremiah says, is not my word like fire? This is the word of God that he, uh, that he reports, declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. So in other words, God has given us his word and the word establishes itself as the power, you know, just like fire, it's uh, establishing itself in our lives. Okay? A, a lot of confusion is out there today of what fire is all about. And, you know, a lot of people say a lot of different things. But in reality, you know, God wants us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the fire of God from above. The supernatural fire of God. It's like a hammer 
that breaks the barrier into pieces. So many times we all have experienced that, you know, you can't do certain things because there are certain barriers in front of you. And God says, you know, when I'm going to baptize, when I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the word dimension coupled with the spirit dimension. Okay? And in the word and the spirit, they can be able to accomplish all things. And that's what God wants us to experience. Okay? That's what God wants us to, to remember. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 14, we, we read a, a very powerful uh, report about Jesus. You know, Jesus had just gone to um, the River Jordan. He had gone into the desert. He had been guided by the Holy Spirit into the desert to meet the temptations of Satan. Okay? And you know, if the Holy Spirit guides you, you don't have to fear Satan because the Holy Spirit wants to establish you more than a conqueror, even over the temptation of Satan. Okay? Don't run away from Satan. He's not, he's not a danger provided you are walking in the power of God. You know, how can you become a conqueror if you are running away from your enemy? So you have to face your enemy. And the Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness, into the desert, to meet with the devil. I mean, you know, a lot of us feel like, why would God not keep this away from me? You know, a lot of people have but prayer requests that they should be, that you should be spared by temptation, by the devil, by, by whatever is uh, negative in our world. But let me tell you, if you really want to be powerful in the kingdom of God, you have actually to see face to face into the power of darkness. Okay? You have to stand vis-a-vis Satan. And you have to learn to tell him, it is written, when temptation comes. You have to learn to say, whatever you say, whatever you, you are trying to, to, to you know, uh, give me a bite for so that I'm falling and get astray, I'm not standing on what you are saying. I'm standing on the word of God. So we need to be in the spirit dimension of the word of God. You see, the Bible t- tells us that the letter kills, but the spirit makes alive. The problem that Jesus had with the, with the, with the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, with all these very religious people is that, yes, they had the word, but they had zero spirit. Okay? And the word that they were using they were using it to kill. They were using it to destroy. For them, it was just themselves. You know, that's why a Pharisee could go in the temple and say, God, I thank you that I'm not, I'm not like this other guy there, this uh, tax collector, because he felt he was superior. Okay? He thought he was something better because he derived it from the word of God, but without, without the power of God. Okay? And you see, even Jesus himself says, if you are just having the word of God, then you're becoming a dangerous individual because you're going, to, you're going to bring death, not life. Life can only be brought by the rhema, okay? That is the word that is filled with the spirit. That means, you know, when you are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, you know, there is like tongues of fire in your, upon you because now the word can come with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the fire of God. And that's why 
God says, is not my word like fire. Okay? You see, we need to have this word alive. It has to be prickling. It has to be, to be strength, strong in our life. You know, I mean, like when you are on a fire, you know, I mean, every now and then you may have bonfire. These days we, we may not have much open fire in our homes like, like in the past, you know. But when you are on a, on, a, on a bonfire, you know, you hear this crackling, crackling, you know, when, when the, 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 the firewood is being burned and you hear click, 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 you know, there's power there. And power can consume anything that is in its way. It's very powerful. Okay, I mean, we see this. It's building. That's a difference. You know, destroying is very simple. Anybody can destroy. Every fool can destroy. But building, not everybody can do. So, but we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the power for building, the power for, for establishing the very plans of God in this earth. So, Pentecost is the fulfillment of God's promise. And he wants to do everything that he has promised in his, in his word to come to pass in our life. In the book of Joel, you know, in the Old Testament, Joel was a prophet. And he says, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, then after doing all those things, please read the things that he's talking about, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Praise God. On all people. Not only on some tribes. Not only on the nation of Israel or the 12 tribes of Israel, but on all people. So in other words, God is removing the restrictions, removing the barriers that were not allowing certain people to be part of what God was doing in the past. So God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. We should pray for that to happen again. Okay? My, 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 uh, my uh, uh, you know, area of ministry now is dream dreams. Okay? That's what the Bible says here. But you young men, you know, sons and daughters, you must learn to prophesy, not your own ideas, but the, the, the word of the Lord. That's why you need the Holy Spirit, because otherwise you will just talk your own stuff. And you know, the people who talk their own stuff, they can be very destructive. Just look at social media, so many bad, negative things are happening. People are even taking their own lives because of the negativism that is there. But we need to be positive. You know, use those avenues and speak the word of God. Prophesy. Okay? Don't be afraid to speak the word of God. Speak the things that God has promised he's going to do because God has given his word to us and he will not change. Okay? So, sons and daughters, where are you? Start prophesying. Okay? Ask the Lord. Lord, give me the word of prophecy. Okay, your old men will dream dreams. That's my, my, my part now. Okay? And... Uh, uh, Funny enough, I've been dreaming since my youth. Dreams and forget about them afterwards. But seeing dreams become reality. Because that's why God gives us dreams. So that we can have vision. Okay? Without vision, people perish. So if you don't have a dream, what are you living for? And unfortunately, people are just often 
living for the things they see on television, you know, the advertising and what have you, and, and, and you know, there are certain role models which often are not good role models and they follow those kinds of things. No, God wants us to have dreams, okay? That means you have a, you have a picture, you have a vision, you understand this is what I'm going for, okay? Your young men will see visions. This is for the young ones again, okay? Visions. And this is very important. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Praise the Lord. Men and women alike. Okay? There's no difference. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly there's no more male and female in the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, still more, we, you know, uh, even in the churches, we are still having this kind of uh, uh, segregation. But there's no... No segregation anymore between, you know, male and female, young and old. Uh, whatever classification the world brings to us, God says, I'm going to do away with all that. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? So, young men, young women, prophesy. Have visions. You know, ask God for, for you to see the things that you cannot see in the natural. Let God open your spiritual eyes to see them. And you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, this is going to happen, okay? Don't just live in your everyday thing. You know, very often we just don't take enough time. You know, and that's why Jesus said, wait, wait. I mean, these days at least we don't have these long queues like uh, maybe 30, 35 years ago. You know, because in 30, 40 years ago, we had to queue for everything, for bread, for sugar, for salt, you know, for millimil. Everything we had to, to queue for. I'm sure some of you remember. Others don't know what, you're, what I'm talking about because you're a young man. You know, for young men and young women, you must uh, dream, dream, you must have the visions for the future. But, but we, we, some of us old people, we remember those, those uh, long, long queues. And, you know... You patiently wait your, your time, okay, and you just take a step, and you wait again, and you take a step, and you wait again, and you take a step, and you wait again. But of course, there are some, there are some experts who will just fly past you and cut in front, and they will tell you, hey, don't worry, don't worry, you know, I've got a very important appointment there in France. Of course, they had the same appointment that I had, you know, because we wanted to buy things, and... Uh, but, but some people, they don't want to wait. I'm sure this is uh, natural to all of us. Am I right? You know, no, none of us wants to really wait. We, we're always in a hurry. Okay? That's why sometimes, you know, we cut corners. I mean, look, look in, our, in our recent history. Just the last 10, 15 years, you see some people, they didn't want to wait they wanted to become rich overnight. And they became rich overnight, for sure. But a few years down the road, people come and take everything back which, which you have been trying to put aside. That kind of riches is not, is not helpful, okay? You know, that's calamity. I mean, if you have been enjoying a very luxurious life with everything that you can imagine, and then all of a sudden they come and take everything and lock you up, you know, what kind of riches are these? These are not the blessings of the, of the prosperity that God wants to give us. God gives us prosperity in it itself. That's why we need to work in the power of the Spirit of God 
to be able to see what God is doing. So, you know, Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. So Jesus actually went back to Nazareth differently than he'd left. He left as the son of Joseph. He came back as the son of God. Reports about him spread quickly in the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the suppers and stood up to read the scriptures. Okay? Every young man in the Jewish culture was able to have a slot when he was able to read the scripture to the congregation. And that was the slot that Jesus was given on that particular time to read the scripture. Okay? The scroll of, the, of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Okay? Not by accident, but by God's design. Okay? So he was reading a scripture that was written about him more than 700 years before. And not by coincidence, not by accident, but by God's design, that was the scripture that was to be read on that day when it was the turn of Jesus to read the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And Jesus started to read. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has anointed me. Anointing is a term that is being used, you know, like it has been used by, to, to, to anoint priests and kings. Remember, David was anointed by Samuel long before he even became a king, but he was anointed to be king. And, and Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The real anointing comes from the spirit of God. Amen? The true anointing of God comes to the spirit of God. You know, you hear some people are saying, don't touch the anointed one. The anointed one is Jesus Christ. You know, the anointed one means the Messiah, means the Christ. He's the anointed one. That's what it literally means. Okay? And when you are receiving the, 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 the Holy Spirit's power, you get anointed. You will become an anointed one. You know, it's not just for a few, like, super holy guys who are standing on a pedestal and saying, I'm the anointed one of God. No, 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 no. Anointed... To be anointed is for everyone who is in Christ. Okay, Christ is the first one. And Jesus himself says to his disciples, do not go back to, you know, whatever you have been doing before, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, for the anointing to come upon your life. Amen? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus read this scripture, powerful scripture, prophetic scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is applying to the life of Christ himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim 
that captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Praise God. Favor comes from the anointing of God. You know, I mean, you have heard many people talking about the favor of God, and they talk about money, they talk about cars, they talk about all kind of materialistic things. And uh, I'm not saying this is not nice. I mean, if, if, you, if you receive them, fine. But this is not really a sign of the favor of God. The sign of the favor of God is what is right, written here. Okay? The favor of God is when you are anointed from above. When you are able to bring... A, Powerful testimony. When you release the captives, prisons, those who are, you know, bound by Satan and evil, that's when you have the anointing of God. And that's what God wants us to, to be able to carry out. The time of the Lord's favor has come. And I want to tell you, God has given us favor. Okay? God has given you favor. God has given me favor. God has given all of us favor. Because he says, do not go away. Do not do your own thing. Do not go to, the, to, the, to your own agenda. But first of all, receive that anointing that will bring you favor. Praise God. That will change your life in a complete way. So we must beware not to live our lives in our own strengths. And you know, that is so easy for us. We, we slip so easy into our own activism and our own uh, stuff that we do. Even in the church, we see that so much happening. But we need to learn to trust the Lord. Sometimes that may be very painful, okay? I have, I have gone through times like this. When I would have loved to do quite a number of things because I, 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 I advised Jesus, you know, I can do this and this and this and that. And, and, and I think that the, the church will, will change. Okay? The church will grow. And God says, don't do that. Wait for me. Okay? It's hard. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait to see empty chairs. Okay? But then I know that God is doing something out of the ordinary. Something amazing. And today is the day when I say become anointed. Receive the favor of God. Prophesy. Have visions. Okay? Begin to do what God wants you to do. This is the last lesson of Jesus. He says do not live your life without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Do not even try. Because you're just hurting yourself in the process. Amen? So Pentecost was meant to be the fulfillment of the promise of God. You know, it was actually the closing of the restoration process that Jesus began when he went to, to do his ministry and finally went to the cross. But it needed to be capped. It needed to be finalized by the power of the Holy Spirit. It needed to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that actually God is putting a seal upon us. A seal of ownership. And the seal is the Holy Spirit. That's why you cannot just say, okay, whether I have it or not, doesn't matter. No, we need it. We need it. We can only live true, in a true apostolic uh, lifestyle and season when we have the power of the Holy Spirit upon our life. 
God has prepared a very special portion for us because, you know, the day of Pentecost was a day of first fruits. Okay, so in other words, this is where now the first evidence of the fruit that was planted was now becoming fully grown, becoming evident. And God wants to give us his first fruit, okay? He has given us an eternal treasure. And of course, some people are saying, oh, when, when we are finally in the sweet by and by, then we will be what and what, you know? No, actually, God wants to start doing it right now, right here, right where you are, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your, in your you know, uh, wards, or in your uh, township, or wherever you are. God wants to use you in a mighty and powerful way. So let's combine all that God has given us from above, which is supernatural. It's not natural, it's supernatural. Because that's when we become effective. And God wants us to be effective. You know, favor means that you are effective, isn't it? So we have the favor of God. Remember, the last lesson is an important lesson. We cannot do without this lesson. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, and verse 14, Peter, who had waited for the day of Pentecost, just like his friends who were with him on that day when Jesus was advising them, Jesus, the, the Bible says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Okay? Because the people said, what is wrong with these people? Are they drunk? Uh, you know, it was not, actually, it was even in the morning. It was not even uh, late in the night. You know, people get drunk. The later you, you go, the more drunk they are. But we are, not, we are not of those who are drunk. So Peter said, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is, too, is much too early for that. Now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. The same words I was reading. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, okay? Not may or hopefully, but will prophesy. So, begin to walk in the word of prophecy, okay? This is for us. This is not for another generation. This is for us. This is for you and me, okay? Young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. You know, it's amazing to see all of this happening. You can see even in the, in the days of Moses, you know, there was a, a realization of how important it was to have the spirit upon the ministry of the people. And then there's a story, you can read it on your bulletin in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, where, you know, the elders were given of the spirit and all of them began to supernaturally move in the power of God. So God has prepared a special portion for you, okay? A first fruit. And a first fruit is a promise of the full harvest, okay? A first fruit is not the whole harvest. It's just the beginning of the harvest. 
And so God is giving us a first fruit on the day of Pentecost, saying, you know, what I've started, I will be able to finish. I will complete it all the way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you know, we need to develop a hunger. We don't just need to continue our life as, as usual. No, we need to develop a hunger for the supernatural resources of God because they make all the difference in our lives. God's supernatural resources are available to us. The Bible tells us that the riches of God are unsearchable and yet God has made his riches available to each and every one of us. Isn't that powerful? What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no mind can, you know, even come close to fathom. That is what God has made available for those who love him. Okay, for those who heed his command, his last command, do not go away until the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is our birthright. In the beginning I said, you know, we are not just members of an institution. No, we are actually sons and daughters of God. And it is our birthright to receive that which God has promised. Okay? The Holy Spirit is our birthright. Jesus has made this clear over and over again. Jesus said, it's even good for me to leave you because when I go, I will, I will make sure that the promise of the Father will be able to come to you. Okay? And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truths. Thank God. So God wants us to be guided and advised by the Holy Spirit. Intelligence out of my own strength. It's like he was. Jesus said, I will do nothing out of my own intelligence, out of my own strength. But I wait for the Father to speak to me. I wait for the Holy Spirit to guide me. And you see, Jesus was guided. Immediately he came from the water of Jordan. The Holy Spirit guided him even in the wilderness. But he was not only guided into the wilderness, he was also coming out of the wilderness even stronger. Amen? Proven as the son of the living God with the devil having to, to go away and restructure, re-strategize because he had run out of ammunition. And yet, there was no fist fight in the, in the wilderness between Jesus and Satan. Jesus was just simply using the word and not the dry word like the, the people of Israel did when Jesus was preaching to them. When Jesus said the letter kills, but the spirit makes alive. No, Jesus came with the rhema word, the word that was filled, infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. That's what made his ministry so different from everything and from everybody else. You know, the book of Mark says that uh, Jesus was preaching the gospel not like the other uh, teachers, but with authority. Authority means what you say is happening. Amen? So, brothers and sisters, the last lesson of Jesus is a command. Okay? The command is, do not walk in your own strengths, but wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Live in the Pentecostal power in this apostolic season, because we need both. 
Amen? The word and the spirit. The spirit and the word. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. A hammer that breaks the barrier. And I think, I don't need to tell you, we all have so many barriers that are in front of us. We all face the challenges that the system of this world, the God of this world, small g, the devil himself, is trying to bring against us. Empowered by that anointing of God, then things are going to change. Things are going to happen according to the very plan of God. Amen? So today, let us pray. And I want to just encourage you, you know, we are not just going to pray for a minute, but I want us to just take time to pray. And uh, please do what God has asked you to do, you know. If you're young, pray that you may be able to prophesy, that God gives you vision, okay? You may say, but I've never done that. Okay, when I was a baby, I've actually done nothing. And yet today I'm an old man and I've been able to, I can look back at a lot of things that I've done. At one time I've never done them. But today I've done them, you understand? So don't say I've never done them. That is not an argument. So if you have never done something, do it today. Okay? Okay, knock at heaven's door. Okay, in fact, you don't even have to knock. In fact, it's Jesus who has knocked today. Okay, and Jesus says, you know, when you hear my knocking, open the door, okay? So that I may come in and sit down with you and have fellowship with you. That I may have communion with you. <clears throat> Isn't that powerful? So let us stand up today. And if you want to come in front, please come in front. Stand around the, uh, the, the, the platform here. And let us pray. Let us pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost. This is the power of God being manifest in our lives. And we want to ask him to, to really refresh us, to anoint us, you know, to, to put the oil into the squeaking corners of our lives. Okay, to make us, to make us flourish and move in, in a very powerful way. So let us take time to pray and uh, please don't hesitate. You can come in front because there's power in being close together, okay? The disciples were heeding the command of Jesus Christ. And finally, you know, the day of Pentecost came and the power from on high was manifested in their lives in such a way that everybody in Jerusalem came to realize what was happening. Choir, please come. Let us just uh, minister and, 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 and trust the Lord to keep his word, okay? This is not a question of music. This is a question of ministry, okay? Let the living waters flow over our hearts, our souls, amen? Let us uh, experience that power today.